Welcome to this week's podcast from Suncoast Church. We hope that this message inspires you and helps you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. For more details, check out suncoast.org.au. We hope you enjoy this message. I would love you to turn um, to Psalm 23. And if you don't have your Bibles, all good. If you don't even own a Bible, that's totally fine as well. It's going to be up on the screen um, next to me as well. And this psalm is a really, really popular psalm. It's a passage of scripture or a song or a prayer, whatever, however you want to label it, um, that's one of the most memorized, most used scriptures in the Bible. And many people have used this, um, this scripture and prayed this prayer in their last moments of their life. Many people have used it. I was talking to somebody this morning and um, they, they've heard this scripture more than anything at, at people's funerals um, but it's brought so much hope and so much um, freedom to so many people's lives and it's an incredible powerful psalm and I'd love to spend all night going through verse by verse word by word and unpack the the incredible things that come out of this psalm but I've got a flight back to Sydney to catch so we won't do that we're going to focus on one verse tonight verse six can everyone say verse six So verse 6, it says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for tonight. I thank you for the people that are here in this building tonight, hearing this message. And I pray, God, that it would be your words that come out of my mouth, not my own. God, that this wouldn't be anything about me or anything to do with me, but everything would point to you, Jesus, and the freedom that you bring. And I thank you that every single person in this room tonight is meant to be here, meant to hear this message, and that you have something individual and personal for each and every one of us here. And we thank you for everything that you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Are there any married people here? A few? Some? awesome. Anyone engaged or dating, um, you may, particularly the women in the room, you may well um, appreciate what I'm about to say. Have you ever um, had a conversation with your significant other, um, predominantly male, and you've asked them how their day was, and you get the same response, right? How was your day? And they say, good any, anyone relate? I was talking to Taylor just in the, the one minute meet and greet and I asked her, how is, how is married life? And I was like, that's just the, the, the question that everyone asks you when you're, when you're first married, right? How's married life? And she, she laughed and she was like, yeah, what am I supposed to say? Good. <laughs> it's the thing that we, that we all say, right? Good. How was your day? Good. How, how's life going for you? Yeah, I'm good. Even though things might not be good, but it's easier to just say good than it is to really delve into, actually, my life's going actually really tough right now. But here's the thing. If you're, if you're married or if you're dating or engaged and, and um, your significant other asks you how something was or how your day was, we want more than just good. We want details. We want to know everything about your day. How was your driving to work? What did you listen to? Did you listen to music or did you listen to a podcast? Who did you speak to when you got to work? Who's your favorite person that you get to work with? What about your job do you look forward to the most? 
What is it about your day that brings you the most joy? What was it about your day that you actually really hated? We want to know all the details. And for us as women, not everybody, but I'm sure majority of the women in the room could relate. Sometimes for us, good is just not good enough. It just isn't. We want more than just good. And actually, this word good is such a flippant, such a flippant word. It's got incredible power, and yet we can use it for such small things. It's like love. We can have an, inc- an incredible moment on our wedding day when we declare our love for the other person. And yet we can also say we love coffee. Incredible power. And then used so flippantly. And good is the same. But not when it comes to God's goodness. Not when it comes to the goodness of God. It's not a flippant thing. So when this verse speaks, speaks about his goodness and love and mercy will pursue me all the days of my life. It's not a flippant thing. It's not like a good day. It's actually so much, so much more powerful than we initially think when we just first look at it. And the Bible defines God's goodness in two ways. The first is to do with his character, and the second is to do with his actions. And Psalm 119 verse 68 captures both both of these when it says of God, you are good and you do what is good. You are good and you do what is good. See, the first half focuses on the fact that by nature, our God is good. He is the original definition of good. There is no, nothing else good that's found outside of him. He's the foundation of goodness, and he didn't obtain it from another source. You see, for us, good is a, is a characteristic that we can grow in, that we can learn in, that we can develop in our lives to become good people. Not with God. He doesn't grow in goodness. He is good in and of himself. And that's exactly what Jesus meant when he said in Mark 10, 18, no one is good but God alone. No one is good but God alone. And he reveals his goodness through his actions. He shows us goodness by what he does for us. And maybe you're here and you look at your current life circumstances and you're not quite convinced that God is a good God. Maybe you've seen his goodness in the past or maybe you haven't, but right now in this moment, you don't see God's goodness in your own life. And you can hear me talk about the goodness of God with a little bit of of a lean back of like, I don't see it. I don't get it. You say God's good, but is he really? Let me just give you a few things that you can throw into your frame of thinking to to show you that God is still a good God, regardless of what you may be facing right now. From creating us and the simple thing of giving us breath in our lungs. It sounds so cliche, right? But the very fact that we are alive and we are breathing here today is a, is a, a, a picture of God's goodness towards us. The fact that he provides for us daily, for placing us in this church, in this moment, to hear this message, to sit with the people that you are sitting with, to know that there are, there are people in this building who care for you, who believe the best in you, who so want to partner with what you're going through in life that they would put a prayer wall up at the back so that you can put your needs and your wants and your desires on that wall and have your church community stand with you in prayer and believe God's plan for your life. That's the goodness of God. The ultimate display of God's goodness is that he sent his son Jesus to die on a cross for us, 
to bridge the gap between us, mankind, and God, our Heavenly Father, so that we can have a direct relationship with Him. That's the ultimate display of God's goodness. So regardless of your circumstances right now, God is still a good God. And so when we read this verse in Psalm 23, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. It's actually way more life-changing than we initially thought when we first read it. And you see, it's not like God's goodness and mercy are just available for us to us for the taking. It's not like God has created this, this table and lavished his goodness over this table and said, come and grab it. Come and grab it when you need some of my goodness. Come and take it. When you're feeling like you're lacking in some, some of my goodness, come and take it for yourself. God doesn't do that. The verse says that he follows us. His goodness and mercy follows us. And it's not like a, it's not like a shadow either. It's not, if I turn around, my shadow's there. If I move, it's still there. It follows me around. But actually, when you unpack and you begin to, to study this word follow, it's much better described into chasing down. And you see, you understand this following of his goodness in a whole new way. It doesn't follow us around like a shadow, always there in the background, but you can't quite grab it, can't quite take it with you. No, God's goodness is chasing you down all the days of your life. The Passion Translation says that his, his goodness and his love pursue us. It says, it pursues me all the days of my life. He's actively pursuing you right now, even in this moment, with his goodness. And the beauty of this pursuit of, of God for us is that it's an individual and personal pursuit. It's not like he's given a, put a blanket over each one of us tonight just collectively and said, here's my goodness for you to take with you. No, the verse says, pursues me, which means that God's goodness is packaged in a, in a, in a you-like shape. God's goodness is unique and personal and individual to how you need it. And it's unique and individual to how I need it. And it certainly has been the the story of my life, of God's goodness chasing me down over and over again. You see, I became a Christian when I was 13 years old. Um, my mum actually bribed me to come along to church. It was Mother's Day, and she said, instead of buying me a Mother's Day present, just come along to church. I'm like, sweet, sweet deal. Anyone here wish their parents did that on Father's Day and Mother's Day? Sweet deal. I came along, and I was like, Mum, I will, I will not only come, I'm going to come and sit through the whole thing, start to finish. And I will listen and just for you so that I don't have to get you a Mother's Day present. And so I came along and I actually loved it. I didn't make a decision to follow Jesus on that day. It was actually a few weeks later, but I loved being in that environment and I loved being around people who had this just unexplainable joy around their lives. And there was something about it that I just had to be around these people and I just had to be in this environment until I realized, actually, that my belief that I had in God already was actually so surface level. I discovered when I came to church that actually, it wasn't just, believing in God wasn't enough. That there is a God in heaven that actually so desperately wanted a personal relationship with me. And that's what I discovered when I went to church. And that's why I made a decision to follow Jesus. 
And so that was when I was 13, and um, as you've already heard, I met my now husband, Daryl, in church, and we became good friends first, and you know how it is in church, you, you kind of meet someone, and you begin talking, and then everyone starts to go, oh, you two should get together, and you two should be a thing, and then when you do get together, everyone's like, I saw it, I called it, I knew it was going to happen, and so we got together, we started being, um, getting more involved in, in, in church, and taking on responsibilities in youth ministry, and it wasn't long before we were actually given the youth ministry to take over. And um, I think we were 18 at the time. We became youth pastors and we've got all these, these incredible young people looking to us to set them an example of how to follow Jesus and, and, and how to, to live a life that, that honors God and um, makes his name famous. And um, we absolutely loved what we did. We loved being around them. We loved youth ministry. We loved building God's church. Um, but we had this, this secret life that nobody knew about. You see, the thing that people didn't know is we were sleeping together. And we really struggled. We really struggled to, to keep ourselves pure. And we were sleeping together. But we felt like nobody could know. Because who knows what might happen if people were to find out. What if we were stripped of our responsibility of the youth ministry like that was any big thing for us to hold on to we didn't want to let our families down I'm one of the only Christians in my immediate family and I felt like I'd been put on this pedestal to be the good girl the good Christian girl to set an example for the family to follow I didn't want to let them down I didn't want to show them that that I was a hypocrite so we felt this pressure to keep it quiet, for, no, for, to, for nobody to know and to not let anybody else in. But what I've discovered is that when you keep something a secret and you keep it in the dark and away from people, it doesn't go away. It does not go away. What, ha- what happens is it actually gets worse. And here's what the enemy will do is he will do everything that he can Regardless of your situation and regardless of your story, here's what he will do in your life. He will try and feed you a lie that you're alone. He will keep, keep telling you that you're alone. What you're going through, nobody else in the whole wide world is going through what you're going through. There is no one in your world who will understand or appreciate the, the burden that you are carrying right now. There's nobody that you can turn to because nobody will understand. Maybe no one would even care. So you're alone. The reason he does that is because when, you, when he can get you to actually believe that you're alone, he can actually take his hands off and walk away. Because what happens is when you believe a lie that you're alone, it begins to, to create this cycle of you believing you're alone. So you keep things in the dark and you keep things quiet. And when you keep things quiet, your issues will actually self-perpetuate all by themselves. The enemy doesn't even need to do anything. He can take his hands off you and walk away and move over to the next person because you believe that you're alone and you will keep things quiet and keep things in the dark and things will self-perpetuate and things will just get worse. That's exactly what happened with us. It was around 2009, Christmas time, I discovered that I was pregnant. Nobody knew. We had to go through this on our own. I felt like my world was caving in on me. I, I didn't know who to turn to. I didn't feel like I could tell anyone. Again, I didn't want to let my family down. I didn't want to let our students down. I didn't want to let our church community down. Daryl was employed by the church at the time. I didn't want him to lose his job. 
And all these thoughts began to to crowd around us and we felt like we were backed into a corner and we felt like we had no other choice but to have the baby aborted. We had a choice. We just couldn't see it. I remember I was probably around nine weeks, um, nine weeks pregnant when we went to the clinic and it was a simple procedure, in and out. And we walked out of that clinic and we decided, we made a decision together that we were never going to speak about this ever again. We didn't learn from the mistake. We just continued to keep it in the dark. We continued to keep this dirty little secret. And so we didn't. We didn't talk about it for six years. There was a few times that one of us would try and bring up the topic and maybe we should talk about this and the other one would shut it straight down. No, we made this decision. What's done is done. We can't change it. There's nothing we can do. Let's just keep it in the dark. Let's keep it. It's in our past. Let's leave it there. Let's let it stay there. Little did we know it was ripping us apart internally. We then got married. That caused all kinds of issues in our marriage that we weren't expecting. We kept it in the dark for six long years. But God was quietly pursuing us with his goodness and mercy in the background. I had no idea that he had this plan for our lives. I couldn't see it in the moment. I couldn't see what was going on. I could only see now that I can look back in retrospect and I can see everything that God did. Because while all this was happening for us over in England, on the opposite side of the world here in Australia, there was a couple called Ross and Kathy, Abraham. And they were about to take over, literally at the same time, they were about to take over this, um, this movement that, that Suncoast is a part of and that our church, Elevation, is a part of. It's called INC, International Network of Churches. And they were about to take over this movement. And God knew that they were the type of people who would believe in others and want to see them whole, who would want to see them restored and want to see God's plan come through in people's lives. God knew that they were the type of people who would want to bring over some, um, a group of young church leaders in the UK and bring them over for a conference here in Australia. And we were part of that group. And we got to, to have dinner with them and we got to hang out with them. And a whole series of events that happened in a really short amount of time meant that a few months later we had packed up our entire life in England and moved over to, to Australia to be a part of Elevation Church. And there was this awesome adventure, but God knew that we, we needed to be over here. God knew that we needed to be under their leadership. And there was one Sunday uh, morning, very similar to a service like this, where we were sat in the service and one of the pastors on team, his name was Josiah, he got up and he shared a message about pain and he talked about how he and his wife, Liv, had had multiple miscarriages. And I remember feeling like I was arrested in my seat. I felt like the only way I can explain it was it, it felt like God was knocking on, knocking on my heart saying, it's time to do something about this. It's time to bring your story out into the light. You don't need to live with the, with the burden and with the, the darkness of this abortion anymore. I want to bring you freedom. So I went home. We had lunch and I sat my husband down and I said, I think, I think it's time. We need, to, we need to talk about this. We can't keep hiding this anymore. Little did I know that God had done the exact same thing in him in that moment, sat right next to me, and I had no idea. He says, yeah, me too. We need to do something about this. Enough time has passed. We can't do this anymore on our own. We need to bring this out into the light. And so we knew that we had to sit down and talk to someone. 
And the best people we could think of was our pastors, Ross and Kathy. And we sat down with them. We spilled our hearts out. We began to tell them all about the abortion and every, all the ramifications of that decision. Fully expecting and fully giving them permission to step us down, to send us back to England. And we were okay with that because it was such a relief to just get it out there and to bring it into the light. And you know what they did? They sat and they cried with us and they prayed with us and they, they just poured out God's goodness to us. They were the perfect display of God's goodness that we needed in that moment. You see, God's, God will very often use other people to, to display his goodness towards us. It doesn't always have to be something that's dropped out from heaven. He will use people's stories like Liv and Josiah and the pain of their miscarriages. And he will use their story to bring about goodness in your life. He will use people who love you and that are committed to, to your journey and to, to doing this journey with you. And he will use them to bring about his goodness in your life because he is quietly pursuing us. So we sat down with them. We told them everything. And one thing led to another. And we went to see a professional psychologist. Thank God for psychologists, right? Not many people in here have been to psychologists. That's okay. We began to unpack everything with, um, with this professional and, and looking at all the things that, that were surrounding the, the reasons as to why we made the decision that we made. And in that season of, of God taking us on a process of healing and becoming whole again, my husband had this incredible vision, this, this dream, this image, this picture of this little boy up in heaven. It was our boy the boy that we'd had aborted and he was holding Jesus's hand and Jesus looks to my husband and says you're gonna have his little brother you're gonna have his little brother a few years later when I fell pregnant Daryl knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that we were gonna have a boy because he'd had this promise already and here he is if we could get that picture up I was a bit more skeptical that we were gonna have him look at that face Sorry, shameless mum. <laughs> Here's my son, everyone. <laughs> he is a perfect display of God's goodness. That after everything, after everything that we had been through, God would still provide for us. God would give us a perfect display of his grace, all wrapped up in this cute little human, this mini human. God is quietly pursuing us, chasing us down with his goodness. And you see, God isn't a punisher. So often we can see God as a punisher, but the truth is we're just punishing ourselves. God is not a punisher. Romans chapter 2 verse 4 says the goodness of God leads, leads you to repentance. And repentance, if you're not familiar with this word, it, it literally means to, to change course, to turn your life around. Like your life is going in one direction and you decide, I don't like where this path is leading, so I'm going to change course and go a different way. It's not the punishment of God that gets you to that place where you want to change your life around, where you want to change course. It's not the fear of God that makes you want to change your life around. It's not the punishment or the fear. It's the goodness of God that leads you to repentance. The goodness of God. And it's the goodness of God that when I don't deserve to have another child, I do. It's the goodness of God that when I'm disqualified from leading people and speaking on platforms like this, he qualifies me by redeeming my story. 
It's the goodness of God that brought me into an environment where I could openly talk with people who cared enough about me and not shame me. And it's the goodness of God that has pursued me through the worst moments of my life and brought out only the best in me. And he wants to do the same for you. He's been relentless in his pursuit of me. And the truth is, he still is. His goodness didn't just stop at the end of that story. He's continued to pursue me. And we could be here all night talking about the rest of, of our adventure here so far and how his goodness has, has chased us down and pursued us every single day. And he's doing the same for you, regardless of whether you see it right now in this moment. God is chasing you down with his goodness and with his mercy because he so loves you and so wants to be the center of your world, making you whole, bringing healing, bringing freedom. And I believe that there are people here right now in this moment and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You're not following Jesus. And the truth is God was chasing you down before you were even born. So much so that thousands of years ago, he sent his son Jesus to die on a cross so that thousands of years later, you could be here in this moment and hear a message like this so that he could offer himself out to you and say, would you follow me? Would you allow me into your life? And so I'd love to take a moment for everyone to just close their eyes and bow their heads, just out of respect for the the people next to you. And I want to give you an opportunity here if you know that you need to get right with Jesus here in this moment. I'm going to ask you to do a simple thing and be brave enough to raise your hand. I'm going to count to three. And when I get to three, if that's you, I'd love you to raise your hand. I don't want you to miss this. This is a a personal moment between you and God. So one, do not miss this. It's worth it. It's the best decision you could make with your life. Two, you'll know that this is you. Three, from the front to the back, left to the right. I don't want to miss any. Yeah, I see your hand. You're so brave. Yeah, I see you as well. It's awesome. Yeah, this hand's gone up all over this place. You know you need to get right with Jesus. That's awesome. Once I've seen your hand, you can put it back down. I feel like there's somebody else here. I don't want to drag this out at all and I don't want to do anything to embarrass you, but I feel like there is somebody else here and you are battling with making this decision and that's okay. But if that's you, I would ask, would you be brave enough? Awesome. We're going to pray a prayer together. How about you stand to your feet with me? And I'll say the prayer and I'd love you to just repeat after me. It's a really simple prayer. Say, Jesus, I thank you that you love me. Help me to follow you. Amen. And while everyone's in this moment and you can keep your eyes closed, I want to give you an opportunity if you're here and you know you've got something in the dark. Maybe like me, you've had an abortion recently or many, many years ago but it's still in the dark for you. And you know that you need to bring it out into the light. God's a good God. The hardest part for us was to bring it out into the light and it was so, so much easier and and, and downhill from there because God's goodness was in the light with us. 
that maybe you're hearing your story is not like mine at all, but you know that you have something in your world that you're keeping in the dark. God wants to bring the light on that too. And so I'm going to ask each one of us, while our eyes are closed, I'm going to ask each one of us to be really bold. And if that's you here and you know that there is something in your life right now, maybe it's from your past or maybe you're in it right now in this moment, and you know that there's something that you are keeping in the dark that you are not allowing God into and you're not allowing people into, but you know that you want that to change tonight, I'd love you to be as bold as you can and raise your hand as well because I'd love to pray for you. I'm not going to make you come out of your seats or, or highlight you in any way. This is a moment between you and God. But I would love to pray for you. And so if that's you right now, I'm going to count to three and I want you to raise your hand. So one, don't miss this. Two, this moment is for you. Maybe the whole reason I came here tonight was for you. Three, if that's you, I'd love you to raise your hand. Yeah, I see your hand. I see hands all over this place. So, so brave. Is there anybody else? An incredible moment of bravery. Let's pray and then I'd love the the band to lead us in that song again because it's a powerful declaration. Father, I thank you that you are good and that you are chasing us down and pursuing us with your goodness all the days of our lives. God, in the moments that we see it and in the moments that we don't see it. And I thank you for every brave person that has raised their hands here in this place to want to bring their things, their situations out into the light. And God, I also pray for those people who weren't bold enough to raise their hand. And that's okay, that your goodness is still feed, that your goodness is still feed, that your goodness is still feed, that your goodness is... Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were encouraged by what you heard and inspired to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. For more details, check out suncoast.org.au. Hope you can join us again on the next podcast or here at Suncoast Church.